Well, good morning. I'm really glad I get a chance to share with you this morning. And uh, I love that little Peter has like half of all the heroic names in the Bible in his name. Isn't that great? Peter, James, Daniel. Like he's, he's going to hit it out of the park. We've got some props this morning. Uh, plenty of stuff here. I'll be with you in a half hour or so. There we go. All right. Big thank you to John Grover, bass player and my personal assistant. Yeah, thank you, John. Yeah, that's great. I know this looks like some kind of a motorcycle gang symbol or something, but it's, it's not, I assure you. That'll make some sense a little bit later. Uh, as Pastor Aaron said, uh, for the last 16 months or so, I've been uh, in a little different place in my life than I'm accustomed to. I'm accustomed to actually working here at this church or with the ministry called Young Life over the last 30 years. And uh, my wife, Lori, and I have been going to this church for, I think, 29 years. And I was looking back, and I think the first time that I preached, I know, in fact, the first time I spoke from, from this spot on this stage was exactly 28 years ago. The first message of the year in 1994. Yeah, I know. So I, I have been here a little while, and I couldn't be happier about that. I just absolutely love this church. And uh, let me just pause to say, you guys are really, really well led. Um, I get the opportunity to, to brag a little bit about the leadership here at this church, specifically Pastor Aaron. Uh, as he said, you know, he is a dear friend, but he's also an incredible leader. And uh, you guys get a chance to hear from his heart on Sundays, and you get a chance to be a part of a church that comes out of his heart and that is connected to the heart of God. And, and he's gathered around him a team of people that are fantastic. I, I love that Brett, whose baby was just dedicated, is able to take on um, the job that I was doing here and do it at a, for such a time as this better than I, I could possibly be doing it right now. So it's, it's really great the way things have worked out. Another amazing person on staff is, is Kate, and I want to segue into a little story about Kate and I here in the last couple of weeks. If you have your handout, it, it has the title of the message this morning, and it says the title is In the Morning. And uh, we're going to make that part of the title just for fun. But the reality is that is not the title of the message this morning <laughs> at all. And I'm going to tell you why. It's a really funny story. So a couple weeks ago, Kate and I were texting back and forth, and uh, she was trying to get you know, the scripture I was going to use and the title of the message and so forth. And so I said, scripture, Mark 12, 28 through 31, um, sermon title in the morning. Okay, you got it. Yeah, I will give you the sermon title in the morning, thank you. <clears throat> I'm not sure yet. So uh, Kate is our communications director. Uh, but I'm going to take 100% responsibility for that. Because one, I wasn't clear. I could have said, I will give you the sermon title in the morning. But I said, sermon title in the morning. And, uh, and then to boot, I didn't give it to her the next morning. <laughs> so she had every reason to think that that was actually it. Good thing I'm not the communications director here. That would be awful. Well, um, I have been working as a, as a life and marriage coach, and I really, really love what I, what I do. Um, it's great the way that the Lord has kind of molded me and this 
into the time uh, right now, and I think that there's a message for us this morning. I'll weave in a little bit of what it is that I do with with what I think the Lord has for us in in, in Scripture, and uh, it's no accident that you're here, right? So I think we're all going to get something today. So I'm going to give you a sermon title to tack on to the top of the one that you have, okay? Write the words, a look in the mirror, and I want you to capitalize the, a look in the mirror in the morning. (laughs) A look in the mirror in the morning. Well, a big piece of what I do is uh, with, with my clients is I, I'm committed to helping them see that if they're willing to take 100% responsibility for themselves, which as we know, but we often forget, is the only thing that we actually have power to change, right? Nod if you agree. There's only one person you actually have power to change, right? Yeah. If they're willing to take 100% responsibility for themselves, then they can step out of shame, blame, and judgment, and into freedom as they dive into understanding themselves at a new depth, at a new level. And so a lot of times what happens when I'm walking alongside people is that what will rise to the surface is some deep core beliefs that they have about themselves that have almost always been there since their early ages of life. Okay, so probably from the single digits ages of life, every one of us has deposited some things in there that are defining to us. I I believe I am fill in the blank. Okay, and it's usually not super great stuff. And so what I get a chance to do is walk alongside as they unpack and uncover some of this harmful and probably false beliefs about themselves, and then we get to replace them with what is actually true. That can be hard work for them to intentionally rewire and start to repeat over and over some truths about themselves that are contrary to what they've been believing most all of their life, and those things that they believe about themselves are impacting their interactions, their behaviors, conversations, thoughts, to this day, and that doesn't matter if you're 15 years old or 95 years old. That can be just as true at any stage in life. And so the goal is to come alongside and say, okay, this is what you actually believe about yourself. Is that true? If not, let's go find the truth. And so it's really been good work. And some of you might be sitting here saying, well, gosh, that sounds a little bit more like psychology message this morning than a theology message. Give me some Jesus. I assure you, that God science, theology, and the human sciences should and can line up beautifully. Because God made all of it, right? So, let's line them up a little bit. You guys ready? Okay, so every human being exists in four primary human centers. And the reason we have props is because we don't have slides. Um, So, we have four primary human centers. We are made up of our emotional self, our spiritual self, our intellectual self, and our physical self, okay? Doesn't it sound right that if all four of these quadrants of our self are healthy, that that would be quite a life, 
That would be great, wouldn't it? We'd experience a lot of peace and freedom and bliss if these were all healthy. And I think we could probably all self-evaluate and say, yeah, well, I need a little bit of work here and there and maybe all of them, right? But if, if that was sound, we'd be in good shape. Well, each of these is also tied to our four deepest needs. And these quadrants are in the same location uh, in our emotional center. We have a deep core need for love, connection, intimacy. In our spiritual center, we have a deep need for value, worth, appreciation. In our intellectual center, we have a deep need to be known and understood and to know and understand. And in our physical center, we have a deep need for safety, security, and trust. Okay? In addition, we have four core emotions. Okay? And these are all tied to those same quadrants. Those four core emotions are sadness, joy, fear, and anger. And by themselves, those are feelings that come and go. They're temporary, um, unchecked, or over-attended, <clears throat> those, can be, those can take on a life of their own. For instance, sadness, if left to its own devices, can become depression. Joy, either unmet or untamed, can become addiction. Fear, anxiety, and anger, overexpressed is rage, over-repressed is resentment. So, that's a look at our emotional self as it relates to those four parts of who we are, okay? So again, you might be thinking, what does this have to do with, with God in my life? A lot. What's the message from God for us this morning? My hope is that you would see God excuse me, that you would see yourself as God sees you. <clears throat> so let's talk a little bit about mirrors. Mirrors are kind of powerful. Mirrors have been around all along. I'll bet you Adam and Eve accidentally discovered themselves in like a pool of water. That would be the first ever mirror, right? Been around forever. There have been mirrors made out of stones, polished, uh, polished metals, people have gone to extreme lengths to get a good look at themselves. The mirror we're accustomed to now, it's been around for about 187 years. A German chemist made this thing where uh, liquid silver, he applied to a, a pane of glass, and we have a mirror, and that's been modified to be what it is now. Mirrors are really valuable tools with all kinds of various uses, right? We'll find mirrors on a, on a windy road, for safety, we'll find mirrors in our cars. For visibility, we'll find mirrors in purses. Stores have them for security. The average home has eight to 10 mirrors in it, on the wall or in a drawer. On average, women look in the mirror nine times a day, men five or six times a day. These numbers don't account for selfies, by the way. It's much higher lately. Over 70% of people say they do not like what they see when they look in the mirror. There was a uh, episode of Shark Tank uh, a couple years ago and this sweet lady came out 
and you know how they do. Raise your hand if you've seen the show, Shark Tank. Okay. So they come out pitching something. And she came out, doom, doo, 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 and there's this mirror next to her. She's giving her spiel, and then she talks about the skinny mirror. Anybody see that one? No? You did? Yeah. The skinny mirror, here's what it does. It's a mirror that is shaped for you to see yourself about 15 to 20 pounds lighter than you actually are. So her pitch was that this would be sold in homes, but also and mainly in retail like dressing rooms. <laughs> so that people would go in the dressing room and try on you know, their new clothing and go, oh, gosh, it looks great. <laughs> and the sales would boost and that, you know. So she's trying to pitch this to the sharks. And their conclusion was, you know what, lady, you're crazy. That's manipulative and that's, that's the mirror's lying to you. I looked it up. She, she gave up on it, on the business. <laughs> and um, I kind of don't blame her. Sometimes the mirror lies, right? Well, this morning I want to invite us to look into a special mirror. It's a supernatural mirror created by God. What would we look like if we looked in God's mirror. If we can understand what we look like in his mirror, it will help us better understand ourselves and other people. And I wanna look at Mark chapter 12, 28 to 31. You can follow along on the screen or your device or your Bible. Mark 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Well, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second one is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. So for context, what's happening here is there's religious leaders that were often around, and this is late in Jesus' ministry. He'd been in his ministry years for three years, and he's almost to the end of that. And there's these religious leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes. This was, I, I believe, a, a scribe that was trying to figure out, okay, tell me, tell me something I can write down here. So he may be sort of innocent, but the crowd of religious leaders was actually trying to trap him into saying something that would sort of get himself in trouble so that they could use that quite literally in a court of law against him. So it was a setup. So the scribe comes and says, Jesus, what do you consider the greatest of the commandments? And the commandments were, in Jewish law, 613 small commandments, a whole bunch of stuff that they had to do. To be a good Jew, to be in right relationship with God, meant following all 613 of those commandments. Then, all is well. If you blow it, go grab a pigeon and burn it at the altar. Or go, you know, there's this sacrificial system in place. So, a lot to live up to. So, notice what Jesus does here. He takes all of that law, all 613 of those things, and he compresses them down to what truly matters and encompasses all of them. So it's almost like they said, which one matters the most? And he kind of said, yes. 
<laughs> Here's how he said yes. He offered them two that were all-encompassing. And they really have three parts. First, love God. Love God. How? How, you ask? Let me find that one. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. See what we did there? Yeah, we didn't do it, he did. So modern day psychology meets the Holy Scripture, God's greatest commandment for humankind. Love him with all your heart, all your emotion, all your soul, your spiritual self, all your mind, your intellectual self, and all your strength, your physical self. And then it says, love yourself and love your neighbor as yourself. And I know you might be thinking, you kind of put those out of order. I don't believe so. Let's focus for a few minutes this morning on that second part, which we typically think is the third part, loving oneself. Jesus' commandment requires that we're to love others in the same way, the same manner that we love ourselves. So that presupposes that we do a good job loving ourselves. But in reality, if the mirror data is any indicator, we don't. If the things that rest in the depths of our subconscious are any indicator, we don't necessarily love ourselves all that well. So, I think it takes a little bit of attention to look at God's mirror and compare that to the way we look at ourselves. So that's what I wanna do. A healthy spiritual love of self will enable us to love God and others. I wanna say that again. Because self-love is one of these things in the, in the Western church where we're just not quite sure we should tip our toes in that. A healthy spiritual love of self will enable us to love God and others. So we're not talking about self-worship. We're not talking about some kind of overdone self-love. We're talking about seeing ourselves as Jesus sees us. So let's look at how God sees us and how that aligns with his greatest commandment, with our primary parts, with our deep needs, with our core emotions, and more. So the first thing is this. God's mirror shows us this. It shows us that we are to be his glorious, beloved bride. He's crazy about us. He loves us. He's given his life for our, her his bride's redemption, renewal, restoration. And the Bible's loaded with scriptures that describe us as God's potential bride. In Hosea and Isaiah and 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, Revelation. It's all over the place. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God wants us to be his bride and we're designed to experience the most intimate of relationships with God, the deepest love with him. Jesus' primary focus on this whole great commandment thing is one word, love, right? Love. It's the key to everything. It starts families. It sustains families. It holds us together. It's the answer to all the world's needs and problems. Can you imagine if things globally, locally, right here in Newburgh, nationally, if we sprinkled on about four times as much love, how different it would look. 
when we have crisis, when we have problems, when we have discord, that's what's missing. So his love, that's this emotional closeness. Secondly, God's mirror reveals to us that God wants us to share his being. Pascal says there's a God-shaped vacuum in everybody. There's this hole that can only be filled with God, his Holy Spirit in us. God seeks oneness with us. Jesus has this beautiful prayer in, in John 17, um, and verses 21 through 23 say this, that, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them as you love me. The plan all along has been God and humans together as one. You know the rest of the story. Sin entered each of us and caused separation between God and man. Separation we can do nothing to fix. And the good news is that in Christ we can be restored to right relationship. Through Jesus' death and resurrection we can once again be united we can have this oneness with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's made a way for us to enjoy oneness with him. All we have to do is believe and accept his salvation. So we've got emotional closeness and we've got spiritual oneness. And the third thing God's mirror reveals to us is his wonderful and beautiful creation. Genesis 1:26, you know, says that God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And that implies a lot of cool stuff. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 says, For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. He understands us completely. We are known. Friends, we're not an accident. We're not merely flesh and blood. We've all been uniquely designed, put together by God's hands. We are his last and highest creation, his masterpiece. And the more we know and understand ourselves this way, the more we can see God and others correctly. The person right next to you is God's masterpiece creation. Isn't that cool? Every person, whether they share your commonalities, your style of thinking, your political views, and on and on, or not, are seen that way by God. So as we align with God, a good indicator of that connection would be that we see every person as he does. And this understanding is vital. So we've got an emotional closeness a spiritual oneness, and an intellectual clarity about who we are. And then finally this morning, God's mirror shows us that God seeks to work in our lives each and every day, and he longs to partner with us, for us to partner with him in good work. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast, 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, do them. And then Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You and I have a purpose. God includes us in the work of his kingdom. He wants to partner with us, and we can make a difference. Those words, purpose and making a difference, remind me of another synchronicity regarding the four quadrants of our lives. And um, it's really cool because it's almost like God knew what he was doing when he gave Pastor Aaron a vision for who we are as a church. It's almost like God knew what he was doing. The vision for Red Hills Church is to love God, to find freedom as we're connected with his spirit, to discover our purpose as we understand who we are, and to make a difference as we go and do the work of the kingdom. Who's an Oz? Nothing? No? I think it's pretty cool that the great commandment and the, the call to Red Hills Church are perfectly aligned. Um, and since you've been seeing this little bit by little bit, I want to give you a picture of the whole thing. And we'll just add that which was missing. Love God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. That's funny. Make a difference says mad and... <laughs> um. So friends, as we love God, and that extinguishes our sadness, we're experiencing and offering love. Uh, our emotional center is filled uh, and our heart is whole. As we find freedom as we're connected to God, we experience joy and understand our deep value. Uh, we are spiritual, spiritually healthy uh, and are whole in our soul. And as we discover our purpose, fear is extinguished. As we have understanding, we typically fear those things that we don't understand. Um, and we are intellectually clear about who we are, and we have a sound mind. And as we're making a difference, uh, <laughs> as we're mad, yeah. Uh, this physical quadrant of ourself is, if you gave it like a, a character name, it would be our warrior self, okay? And its job is to do, okay? We can go and do physically the things as we are emotionally, spiritually, and intellectually sound and healthy, okay? So, I just wanted to give you a, a, a look at how all that ties together, and um, God had this whole thing figured out. When Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he left nothing out. It was the whole self. It was the whole thing. 
So I invite you to consider what 2022 would be like for you. And I will consider it for me. If we seek to really engage our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And what if the manner in which we did that was to love God with every bit of each of those parts? At least give it our best effort. And as we do that, we're growing in each of those categories and we're loving them more within ourselves. We're loving ourselves more as we do that, which enables us to love God more. It, it plays on itself. How do you think that would impact the relationships around you? I mean, this love others as you love yourself works if you put things in the right order. Seek to understand and love yourself. Love God with all the parts of you. And the way that's going to impact relationships will be like you've never seen before. I'm sure of that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so very much for your great love for us. Thank you that you know us, you made us in your image. Thank you that you want a close relationship with us. Thank you that you want to unite us with your Holy Spirit. And thank you that you're willing to use us in spite of us, that we get to go and do and participate in the work of your kingdom. Consider that a great privilege. And we're grateful today. Now as we transition into worship, may we all just pause and face you and look at what would it be like to give myself fully to you this year? My heart, my soul, my mind, and my body. In Jesus' name, amen.